Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Your host this evening is Stevie R. Butler from the state of North Carolina with my co-host, Tim Bench. From the state of Texas, Glenn McMillian. From the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers. From the state of Illinois, Steve Corder. From the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington. From the state of Florida, Clay Phillips. From the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman. From the state of New Jersey, and Robert Lee Johnson. From the state of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful that you're tuning in to the broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ. And we'd ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment. And your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts on this broadcast, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can give me a call, Stevie B's Media Production Studio at 910-491-6400. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stand along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask you to bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine Word. Father, we pray that you will be with my co-hosts, Glenn McMillian and Clay Phillips, on the show this evening as they break unto us the bread of life. And also my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman, as he answers the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We pray that you would bless 
them and their families that support their efforts, that they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray to abuse our listeners this evening who are tuning in this broadcast via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that their hearts may be pricked as they consider their eternal stance before you and their soul salvation. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we will not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask that you would forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of your will. Father, we praise you and continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, Father, we pray that you would save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the broadcast. Our speakers for this evening will be in the first segment. My co-host, Glenn McMillian. He serves with the Waterview Church of Christ there in Richardson, Texas. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, I have a question from my shout-out platform on social media, Facebook. That I'll be posing to my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman. He serves with the Newark Church of Christ there in Newark, New Jersey. He'll be answering our question in that segment. And then to close out the show, my co-host, Clay Phillips, he serves as the evangelist for the Rose City Church of Christ there in Thomasville, Georgia. And he'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ. So open up your Bibles and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next one you hear be that of my co-host, Glenn McMillian. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Come on and spin the line. 
listening to the gospel light radio show give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of jesus christ now my co-host glenn mcmillian and his subject deconstructing calvinism all right thank you stevie uh i am coming before you with the the opportunity today to talk about uh a subject that i'm i'm passionate about uh, I will put it the way that David put it in Psalm 19:104, which reads, "From your precepts I get understanding; therefore, I hate every false way." And when we're talking about uh, false ways and, and false doctrines, uh, I think one of the most damaging uh, sets of false doctrines, damaging. Uh, collections of false doctrines is the, the doctrine uh, that we know of as Calvinism. And so I want to take this opportunity. This is, this is, is meant to be the introduction to a series. Uh, we're going to go through the points of Calvinism and talk about them uh, individually. Uh, and we may do more than one lesson on, on some of them, but today we're just going to give an overview about what is Calvinism, why problem, and how we're going to start to uh, bring uh, people back to, to biblical truth on these issues. So what am I talking about when I'm talking about Calvinism? The problem is is not that hard to define. Um, there is a set of doctrines that was first kind of postulated by a guy named Augustine back in the very early days of Christianity um, as a world religion. 
Um, it, but they were kind of crystallized by a man named John Calvin in, in the uh, 1500s. Um, and these uh, principles of, of theological uh, understanding are put together in such a way that it is a, a very it's a, for lack of a better way of, of, of explaining it, Calvinism is a logical framework for understanding how God works uh, throughout Scripture. I say it's a logical framework because it is designed in such a way that each point of Calvinism builds on the previous points such that they construct a very tightly uh, knit system that explain that attempts to explain how God works and, and what God is doing and what he has done uh, throughout history. It's a logical framework, but it's not necessarily a scriptural one. The, good, the advantage of Calvinism, of course, is that it's being a logical framework, being that each point builds on each the other one. If you can support one of those doctrines, if you can support uh, the foundation of the doctrinal system, the rest of the system builds on it, and it is a very tight, a very strong uh, set of doctrines that gives you a, a good framework for how things work. The disadvantage, of course, is one of those points can be attacked or can be damaged, and the whole structure collapses around. And so what is Calvinism based on? What is the, the foundation that all of these things are built on? And what are these pillars? So Calvinism is a foundation is the sovereignty of God. And on that foundation are built five pillars, total depravity, unconditional election, preservation of the saints, uh, irresistible grace, or, sorry, total, total depravation, unconditional election, limited atonement, which is the ill, unconditional grace, our, our irresistible grace and the preservation of the faith. Those the tulip of of Calvinism. And the tulip, of course, again, is it's it's very easy to remember. It's got five points that spell a nice word. Um, and each of those points builds on each other. And the the foundation as it is laid out is that God is sovereign. So therefore if God is sovereign that means that God's will is absolute. Following from the fact that God's will is absolute, we get to total depravity. If God's will is absolute, then what does that say about us? That means that we are totally depraved. We are, if we were left to our own devices, we could never do anything good. We could never do anything that approaches the holiness of God, 
we would always be moving away from God uh, if we were left to our own, uh, left by ourselves. Since we are totally deprived, we go into the unconditional grace. That means anybody who is saved is not saved by their own merit. They're not saved by their own works. They're not saved by anything that they do uh, of themselves. It is all God's choosing as to who saves and who isn't. Therefore, we move into L, the, the limited atonement. The atonement must be, by definition, limited. That the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross was not made for everyone. It was only made for the people who were chosen. Otherwise, people who weren't chosen would be eligible for salvation and therefore uh, able to be saved. So so the atonement can only be limited to the people for which it was purposed. Therefore, since the atonement is limited, we get into the I, which is irresistible grace. That that grace, that is salvation, cannot be resisted. If you were chosen, you will go to heaven. And if you weren't chosen, then you won't. There's, there's no way to resist it. There's no way to fight against it. There's no way to circumvent it. Um, and there's nothing you can do about it. And therefore, you get it to P, preservation of saints. Once, and this is also known as the once saved, always saved uh, doctrine. That if you were chosen, if you have been saved in this, in this way, there's nothing that can happen that can take away your salvation, that can undercut um, what God has done. Because, again, God is sovereign. Everything that God wants to happen will happen, and everything that he does not want to happen will not. Uh, there is no if, and, or but about it. But as we can see, this system put together is a very tight logical flow. Every, doc- every point of doctrine follows from the one before it. There is... Uh, not much wiggle room in terms of once you're in the system uh, to get out. So what is the problem with the system of Calvinism? And I think that you can kind of understand it uh, and understand the problems that we have with it uh, based on just looking at the negative side of the things that are being proposed here. First of all, when we talk about Calvinism and we talk about sin, uh, sin under Calvinism has a completely different definition and and, uh, and connotation than it does uh, biblically, I would argue. Um, We talk about sin as, you know, when we do things that violate the, the law of God, then we have sin, and therefore we need to uh, repent or we have to make atonement, depending on which covenant we're talking about, to God based on the sins that we have committed. But under Calvinism, again, if God is sovereign, then who is responsible for sin and what does sin actually mean? Because if the will of God cannot be controversial, Therefore, there can't be anything that I have done that is a violation of God's 
with it can be a violation of God's law in, in that God has set out a standard and God has made a proclamation. But it can't be a violation of God's will in that I did something that God did not approve or would not allow me to do or would not uh, did not put me in the position to do. Under Calvinism, all sin is not only permitted by the will of God, but endorsed by the will of God. Because nothing can happen that God does not endorse, does does not approve. Um, so when James in James chapter one talks about you know sin is a product of our desires, we, we desire things and therefore we go outside of the will of God to to acquire the things that we desire. Uh, our lust gives way to sin in James chapter one. Uh, and in James chapter 4. Calvinism would argue that that doesn't make any sense because our lust, of course, would always tell us to go to sin because we're totally depraved. But sin is something that God is, is not something that is, is can be attributed to us because it is something that God wanted us to do. That doesn't strike me as being something that uh, is supported by Scripture. But there are millions of Christians, millions of uh, people who call themselves Christians, who who actually believe it, that we are not responsible for our own sin. Uh, because our sin or anything that we do that is sinful is not really something that we wanted to do or something that we did on our own accord. It's something that God put us in a position to do because God puts us in every position. See, under Calvinism, there's no free will because God is sovereign. There's no chance because God is sovereign. There is no chance or just a circumstance that you're in because God is sovereign. Nothing can happen that God does not actively control. So then we get into, okay, so if we are totally depraved, what does that mean? And, and again, we'll, we'll deal with, with total depravity the next time I get a chance to come on, and we'll, we'll talk about this idea of being born in sin. And, but we, I just want to deal with these things from the aspect of – I did a story a while ago uh, about people who are leaving the church, who have grown up in Christian or nominally Christian homes and are now leaving – those uh, those backgrounds and going into secularism, going into atheism, uh, going into other world religions, and a lot of them are doing it because of they were they were brought up in in really were, were brought up in bad systems of Christian theology to begin with. 
yes, there's a lot of people who are leaving because the church has damaged them and and church-going people have uh, had a bad – they've had a bad experience with with church-going people church-going people and, and, and people who are not living up to, to God's standards. And I would say that that is a lot uh, of the problem as well. If, if we are not living the way that we're supposed to live, if we're not setting a good example for people and they see us uh, basically acting like hypocrites, then that does not glorify God and that that gives the, the, the name of God a bad name. But on the other hand, there is also bad theology, which causes people to throw the baby out with the bathroom. And at the top of the list of bad theology, the the top of the list of things that people don't understand and, and, and start to reject Christianity over is things that come out of the logical consequences of Calvinist theology. I was just reading an article that somebody put out not many uh, a few days ago that I that I ran across. And I don't know when when it came out, but I, I've heard this, all of the things that are were in this article before. So this is, these things are not new. Um, where they were talking about uh, the concept of hell and. Um, there's a lot of bad theology surrounding surrounding hell, but in particular, they were talking specifically about the fact that what they claim the Bible says that babies will be going to hell. Now, of course, the Bible never there's no verse in the Bible that says this. They put this together based on a couple of uh, bad theological points that are directly from the Calvinist system. Number one, that we're all totally depraved. So that even from the day that we are born, we are by default going to hell unless God chooses us otherwise. So that's number one. Number two, the fact that in order for us to be chosen, God has to do that choosing. Nothing that we can do can can change that, and a baby couldn't choose one way or the other anyway. And then <clears throat> on top of that, if that baby was destined for hell, he's going there anyway. It doesn't matter uh, that he's innocent, that he hasn't done anything violating God's law. He's, he's just, he wasn't chosen. So that so coming from that Calvinist framework, if you have a baby that dies before is baptized before it is chosen, depending on which part is parts of the the system you're going to, you end up with babies in hell. Now, as a person who is a right thinking individual or at least a, a compassionate individual or a person who uh, you know is is just coming across Christianity as as an, an outside observer if you are telling somebody that are they here 
that God will send a baby who's done nothing to anybody to hell just because it hasn't been chosen. Uh, that doesn't put God in a good light. God looks like a the worst of all tyrants. So then you kind of dig a little deeper. And what are you getting into with this whole thing with God sending babies to hell? And so you, 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 you get into it and you get into the fact that the, 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 the atonement is limited, right? So that you have to be chosen. And people who are chosen, of course, they, they're, they're good and they, they, they're saved by what that Jesus did on the cross. But the people who weren't chosen, what happens to them? Well, they go to hell. It doesn't matter what they did in their life. It doesn't matter how good they try to be. Uh, they're going to hell. So if it doesn't matter how good I am, I'm going to hell. And on the other side, if you're chosen, it doesn't matter how you live, you're still going to have them because you're chosen. Then the logical conclusion that that people draw from that is what's the point of trying? What's the point of doing any of these? Because, you know, people who are in Calvinist systems or or Presbyterians or Baptists or whichever, they will sometimes claim that we as Christians have a system that, that lacks grace, that, that doesn't have any room for God's grace, that we are completely works-based. We look at baptism as we've been baptized now, we've not been baptized, and baptism is a work. So therefore, our, we, our, our whole salvation is based on work, and there's no room for grace in, in our system. Okay. I, I hear that. I understand that. So it really lacks grace, though. Because this is a, the Calvinist system is a system that says if a person falls from a position of grace, or at least appears to fall from a position of grace, then that's evidence that that person was never chosen to begin with. That, that person was never saved. So we say, so think about this. There, and, and this is an actual situation that has happened many times in many churches, so it's not a, an, an illogical or, or unreasonable uh, analogy that I'm about to make here. A man who has worked, served in church for, for many, many years, has been looked up to by the community, has, you know, served, preached, married many people, baptized many people. Um, at, at some point near the end of his life, it is revealed or, or show, he is shown to have had some kind of moral failure, maybe an affair, maybe uh, something like that. Church, as Christians, we would say that person has had a moral failing he needs to repent, and restoration needs to be made, but that person can be forgiven of the things that he has done. 
because he's already saved, all he needs to do is, is confess his sins, repent, and and he can be restored if he leaves his, his, his way. That sounds like a system of grace. In Calvinism, what happens is that, that person they, they say that that person was never saved to begin with. So all of that work that they did for all that those years before, that's all thrown out because that person was never saved. If they were if they were able to commit this sin in their later years, that means that they had been pretending be saved all the way up to now. Because again, if you were saved, if you're chosen, you can do good things. But if you weren't chosen, then you do bad things. And if you therefore if you do bad things, you must not have been chosen. And does that sound like a, a system of grace? Does that sound like more of a system of grace than than the alternative? And if you have no grace for those who have – and, again, if that, if that person was never saved, the implication is there's no possibility for that person to be saved because if they weren't chosen before, they can't be chosen now. So not only is there all the work that they did for the church, for the congregation, thrown out the window, but there's no path to rest- of restoration either. Because, again, if you were chosen, that had to happen at the beginning. You can't be chosen later. So there's no, there's no grace on either side of that. It's it's a it's a system of grace. They say their whole system is based on grace. But that grace is not available to the people who need grace. It's only available to the people who are chosen and therefore don't need it. I mean, everybody needs it because you couldn't go be, be good at all without it. But there's no access to it if you want to, but don't have it, don't have access. This is the problem because people see this. People people logically come to these conclusions. But again, Calvinism is a logical system. It's based on logical principles. But each of these logical principles has logical conclusions and logical consequences. And people can see these consequences from the outside and realize that this is a system that that makes God into an arbitrary, graceless, cruel he's, he's not a God that would be that anybody would want to serve. So how do we, as Christians, combat this system? Again, it's the, it's the advantage is that 
once you undercut one of these individual doctrinal points, the rest fall pretty easily because they are they're they are dependent on one another. Um, and so we will talk about how uh, we can deal with the with each one of these points in turn. Uh, again, as as I have opportunity to speak to you, we'll start with limited the limited atonement, or not the limited the, the total depravation. Are we in fact born in sin? Have are we sinners, and and therefore lost from the time that we were we entered into life? Uh, I think it is very easy to show from scripture that this this not the case, that we, we each are responsible for our own sins. Uh, then we will move on to the unconditional election. That are we saved by an arbitrary lottery process that God undertook at some point? Or do we have some control over our salvation? Limited atonement. Who did Christ die for? Did he cry, did die, Christ die for the entire world or only for a select group of individuals? Irresistible grace. Can you be saved against your will? Can you be lost against your will? And finally, the preservation of things. It, it, things. Once saved, always saved. It, does that make from a biblical perspective. And again, all of these are based on the foundation of the sovereignty of God, which we've talked about today. But that the sovereignty of God, meaning that nothing that can, can happen that God doesn't approve of. Because if, if that's your understanding of God's sovereignty, then you have to, again, you have to change the definition of sin, because sin isn't acts that we commit. Sin is a state that we are in. And that is, I mean, yes, sin is a state we, we can be in sin, but when God, the Bible talks about us being in sin, that means that we are actively living a lifestyle of sin. It does not mean that we just have this condition that we have been born with and nothing that we can do can, can get rid of it. Uh, I know this, this, this is a this is a big problem. Like I said, it's it's driving people, especially young people, away from the church. People who are seeking God. See, the, the thing is that people are looking for a theology that has some rigor to it. If you if you ask these these young people who are who are outside of the church but who are kind of looking are are at least open to um, Christianity or open to religion. What they'll say is that they want some a, a, a religion that has some substance. And the problem is that Calvinism does have substance. It has it does have rigor involved with it. And it, and 
for the people who are looking for that, it is attractive in that way. But then once you start digging into it, you come across these logical negatives that, that come from the system. And then you reject that system. And so, and because this is all you know, or all you've been taught about Christianity, the temptation is to throw out the whole system. So I throw out, if I reject Calvinism is how God works, if I reject how God works, then I have to reject God. I have to reject Christianity altogether. Because they're not being taught that there's an alternative, usually. See, the problem that we have, and the reason why uh, Calvinism is a problem even in the church, there are Church of Christ ministers that I know, that I, I see on Facebook, that teach tenets of Calvinism or, or even the entire system of Calvinism as being true. Because where were they educated? <laughs> They were educated at Presbyterian seminaries. When, that's, when, we, when we say we want to hire preachers that have doctoral degrees in religion and theology, and we hire you know, people who got their doctoral degrees at Presbyterian and Baptist seminaries, then we're surprised when they start teaching Calvinism from our pulpit. What do you expect? <laughs> So we have to, to, to uh, do a much better job of making sure that people are, are well-versed in the doctrine that the Bible teaches and not rules are bad per se, but there's a danger of when you're studying about the Bible more than you're studying the Bible, then you're going to get other people's opinions about who God is rather than getting God's word about who he is. And that's how you absorb a Calvin or absorb an Augustine uh, as your theological mentor instead of Paul, instead of Peter, instead of Jesus himself. So, I hope that has been a, a good enough preview of coming attractions um, and that you will stay tuned uh, to my future appearances on this show. Um, again, we're going to go through each of these uh, five points of Calvinism in turn. Uh, we're going to talk about why uh, they cause a problem, why they, they damage uh, believers. Uh, and and how we combat them using uh, a, a proper understanding of scripture, uh, taken in, in its proper context. So, I hope you're excited about uh, future um, episodes of the Gospel Light Radio Show. Stay tuned and continue to enjoy the rest of the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? 
As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at one 813 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. These are the announcements for the events and activities in the Churches of Christ. If you'd like to have your events or activities announced on this radio broadcast, you can give me a call at 910-491-6405. That's to Stevie B's Media Production Studio. Or you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Due to the coronavirus pandemic outbreak, I will not be making any public announcements until further notice regarding public meetings and assemblies, but I will be making announcements about the events and activities happening in here on social media. But in the Fayetteville area, the uh, Helen Street Church of Christ that meets at 500 Helen Street has begun meeting publicly in their building just for their Sunday morning worship services and their Sunday morning Bible class. Their Wednesday night service will resume on Zoom. On Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 9 p.m. Central Standard Time and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, there'll be a nationwide gospel call that's sponsored by the Church of Christ in Highland Heights from Houston, Texas. And the telephone number to this call is 857-216-6700. And the access code is 328-497. This is a nationwide outreach to those who are not members of the Churches of Christ. And the speakers will be presenting a basic salvation message for them to learn what they must do in order to be saved, as well as information regarding the churches of Christ. It's also intended to edify and strengthen the faith of those who are Christians. On Tuesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, the Delcrest Church of Christ from San Antonio, Texas, presents the Women's Virtual Bible Class. And that class will be held on www.zoom.com. Dot com And the class ID number is 821-3692-8262. Daily at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, there will be a Ladies in Christ prayer line hosted by the Church of Christ in Lafayette, Louisiana. And the telephone number to this prayer line is 605-472-5203. And the access code to this prayer line is 514-859. My co-host here on the Gospel Light Radio Show, Steve Cordo, he has a new book entitled God, Grace, and You. And you can order this book from the 21st Century Christian Catalog. There'll be a, there's a spring-summer series that's going on every fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is a preacher's panel discussion. Join Minister Michael Crusoe as he moderates a series of discussions featuring seasoned preachers in the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ. And the topic that's currently under discussion is expanding the role of women in Christian worship, a word from the Lord. And coming this fall, we have a new show that's being added to What a Word from the Lord radio show that airs here on Tuesday night. And this show is called... Um, this show is called The Kelly Fletcher Show. So she will be on the air every fourth Tuesday of the month as a part of the show What a Word from the Lord radio show that airs here on Tuesday night on Blog Talk Radio. 
And just a program reminder, Stevie B's New Production Presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. You can give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. Or you can type in your search bar, www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show. On Tuesday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'm hosting a live show, What a Word in the Lord radio show. And each week on this broadcast, I have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ. We'll be presenting a message from the Word of God. And we also have the Community Corner segment. That segment is designed for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our community. I also have three co-hosts on that show. Lou Gilbert, he's the evangelist for the Oakbrook Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And my newest co-host, Shauna Otis, she's with the Greyway Church of Christ. They're in Nashville, Tennessee. Her team is the Mid-Tennessee Singles Ministry. And that show, that segment will air every third Tuesday of the month. Also, I have my newest co-host, Isa Mullins. He serves here at the Helen Street Church of Christ here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And then here on Thursday night, I'm hosting a live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show. And this show will air from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I have eight co-hosts on this broadcast be presenting messages from the Word of God. And each week I have two of my co-hosts on the air with me. And on tonight's show, my co-hosts Glenn McMillian and Clay Phillips are presenting messages from the Word of God. And in the shout-out segment, my co-host Brian Christian Coleman will be answering this question from the Newark Church of Christ there in Newark, New Jersey. And then on Friday night at our new time, we have a new time on Friday night, I'm hosting the live show, Stevie B's Acapella Gospel Music Blast radio show. And this show will air from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. On this broadcast, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, the sweet sounds of voices. And on this Friday night show, we will be debuting some new music as featured by Terry Mays out of Taylor, Texas. And she's going to be my special guest on that broadcast as well this Friday night and we also do the story glory segment every first Friday of the month and we also do the top 20 countdown show every third Friday of the month my on demand episodes if you can't catch any of these live shows where are you getting your favorite podcast from just type in Stevie B Media Productions and you'll see all of the shows that we're producing here on a weekly basis and some of the major uh, musical platforms that you can listen to these shows it's Spotify, Apple, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, YouTube, just to name a few. I have a new sponsorship manager. Her name is Michelle Marco from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. If you'd like to be a sponsor for any of these radio shows, you can give her a call at 954-687-4705. I'd like to give a shout-out to all of my sponsors. We certainly appreciate them. Sharon Norwood from Chicago, Illinois. Bethesda Memorial Funeral Director Criminal Services out of DeSoto, Texas. Stanley Phillips from Little Rock, Arkansas, and Cheryl Marra from Charlotte, North Carolina, Yvonne Blazing Cracker Gooch from Nashville, Tennessee, Mel Jackson from High Point, North Carolina, Mark Tallman from Charlotte, North Carolina, Michael Wilson from Greensboro, North Carolina, Diversified Financial Network for LLP from Dallas, Texas, and the Ordained Faith Publishing from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The three E's of Stephen B's Media Production, it is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, we want to encourage you in a study 
of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. Stay tuned for the Shout It Out question up next. You're listening to the Gospel Length Radio Show. Oh, I need a friend. Someone that I can depend on. I don't want to live my life listening to the Gospel Length Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the portion of the broadcast where I have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out. 
And we want to pose this question to my co-host. We also want to encourage our listeners to join that group on Facebook and get involved in those biblical discussions. Now, my co-host that's going to be answering our question on this segment is Brian Christian Coleman. He serves with the Newark Church of Christ there in Newark, New Jersey. How you doing, my brother? I'm doing well, my brother. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. I have a doozy for you on the broadcast this evening. I bet you do, brother. Let me have it. Okay, now this question is from an anonymous query from Shreveport, Louisiana, and the question is, does the Bible teach a woman can serve as a bishop? What say you to this question? Oh, that's a very interesting question, my brother, and, and first of all, good evening to all the members of the Churches of Christ who listen to this program every week, and these questions are very fruitful and beneficial for us to review. Now, one thing I want to say before I begin, I do not have any special I'm not going to give you my thoughts or my opinions on it. I'm going to base all my answers upon the Word of God. If everyone has their Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, beginning with verses 34 and 35, because we first have to establish what God wants to be in order. It's not up to man on how he wishes to have things done in his service. It is up to God because God sets the standard in how he is to be worshipped. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 34 and 35, it says, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it's not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also says the law. If they will ask anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it's a shame for a woman to speak in the church. If that's in your Bible, Say amen. So we have to establish that God has established that no woman should be up there speaking in the church. Now, we use that scripture when we talk about the factors of a woman preaching. So this also applies in that same factor. Now, the question is asked, well, does a, can, a, can, a, can a woman be a bishop? The answer to that question is no. Turn your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 3 beginning with verse 1, and the answer is right there in verse 1. The Bible says, it is a true saying, man, didn't say woman, it says, if a man desired the office of a bishop, he, not she, he desireth a good work. Verse 2 says, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Now, how can a woman be the husband of one wife? The Bible says that the, he must be a husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. That means that man needs to know to be able to teach the word of God. Not given to wine, striker, not, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetousness, one that ruled well his house. It didn't say her house. It says his house, his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man, not a woman, if a man know not how to rule his own house, how can he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, less being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. So the Bible lets us know that only a man 
can be a can be a uh, bishop. He can be an elder in the church. Now, I was told one time by a woman preacher that women were there on the day of Pentecost. I just had to cl- make this in closing, but as I said, only a man can be an elder in the church. A bishop is an elder. A bishop is one who is a gospel preacher as well as an elder. That's the only way a preacher can be called a bishop or a pastor. We've got some members of the, some preachers here in the Church of Christ running around calling themselves a pastor, and they're not married. They're not an ordained uh, elder at all, and they call themselves a pastor. The only way that a man, a preacher of the Church of Christ can be a pastor, he's got to be an elder as well as a preacher in order to be called a pastor. And the Bible is right. But I just want to cover this one thing where this woman said, and I had to take her to the Bible, the Acts chapter 2, to show her that basically she said that women were there the day of Pentecost and preached. Well, if you turn to verse number, I mean, go to verse number 5, the Bible says, and they were dwelling at Jerusalem, devout men. Didn't say women, it said men. So we know women is not there. Well, drop down to verse number six. Now, when this was this noise was this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because they heard every man. We're talking about the apostles. Heard them speak in his own language. She's not there in verse number six. This dropped down to number eight. Maybe she's there. And how we hear every man in our own tongue. She's not there in verse number eight. This dropped down to verse number 13. The Bible says others mocking saying these men are full of new wine. She's not there in 13. This dropped down to verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the 11, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea. Not women of Judea, ye men of ye Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. She's not there in verse number 14. Let's drop down to verse number 22. The Bible says, ye men of Israel, not women of Israel, ye men of Israel. She's not there, got one more chance. Verse number 29, the Bible says, men and brethren, not women and brethren, Men and brethren, she's not there. Women were not present there on the day of Pentecost. Only three times women were supposed to come together, and that was the Feast of the Tabernacles, Passover, and the day of Pentecost. And I stand on what the Bible says. So to answer your question again, women cannot be, not saying they are not have the ability, but women, by the way, God has set up the church cannot be bishops in the church. Now, I hope this is, has been, this, these answers have been beneficial and have been fruitful for you, and I pray that God will continuously bless us as we devil in, dive in God's word. It's important to know what God's word says in regards to situations like this because there are many people out there who are mixed up and confused and do not know what the Bible says. It will take a gospel preacher like Brother Butler and like others on this program who can tell us what the Word of God says. I pray again that this answer has been fruitful and has been answered properly by the Word of God. May God bless you. May God keep you. Shout it out question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co host Clay Phillips and his subject, When the Truth Hurts. <clears throat> Good evening. Once again, I am Brother Clay Lee Phillips, minister here at the Rose City Church of Christ, where everyone is somebody and Jesus Christ is. Lord, a church bound for heaven. That's why uh, members come here to the Rose City Church of Christ because they know we speak where the Bible speaks and silent where the Bible is silent. Now, I want to thank the preachers, Brother uh, McMillan and Brother Coleman, for the marvelous job they've done thus far in the proclamation of explaining and preaching God's Word. Now, I would like for you to <clears throat> turn your Bible with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 7. I want to commence reading at verse 54 and terminate at verse 60. Acts chapter 7, verse 54 through verse 60. And we find these words written. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gasped upon him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of the God, or the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped up their ears and ran upon him with their mouths with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witness laid down their Clothed at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Thus is the reading of our scripture. When the truth hurts, when truth hurts, it was in Galatians where Paul 
Now remember now in Acts chapter 7, the young man that they laid the clothes or the clothes at the feet was Saul, which later on became <clears throat> Paul, if you will. And he experienced a uh, torturing advocate of people when they feelings or when they get into their feelings or when truth hurts. <clears throat> and he said in Galatians chapter 4, <clears throat> and the verse is 17, verse Galatians 4, 16. Notice what Paul said. Paul said, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And very profound question. Do I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? You must maintain understanding. Truth hurt. Look at the individuals here in Acts chapter 7. Now, if we go back to Acts chapter 2, we find that there are those also that truth are inspired. So Acts chapter 2, back up to Acts chapter 2, if you will, and verse number 36, Acts chapter 2, and let us begin reading at verse number 36, and we find these words written. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So here, the apostle Peter is telling his hearers, he said, I want you to know something here. I want you to understand that you guys killed the Savior. Now, if anything on what you're feeling on, this is it. So Peter is bringing out. He says, notice again, he says, ye have crucified. Now, the order you crucify, you crucify the Lord and Christ. But notice in verse number 77, it says, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Sometimes truth will bring you to repentance. It will bring you to God, bring you to reality. And sometimes truth will bring you to uh, wanting to destroy someone. It will hurt you. Now, in this case, in chapter 2, what truth did, it put the heart. And they asked the question, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, now Peter had preached some serious stuff to them. Notice now, as you back up uh, to verse number 22 of Acts chapter 2, it says, now this is what he said. He said, ye men of Israel. He says, hear these words before they were pricked. He said, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God amongst you. You know that he's approved of God amongst you. You understand that. But yet it's still, you crucified him. Now, folks don't like to hear the truth. They don't like to hear the truth among whom you crucified. Approved of God amongst you by miracles. He was proved by miracles. 
and wonders and signs. You remember the John that said, these signs was written that it may prove that Jesus Christ was the Lord. But many other signs did he do that is not written in the Bible. So here, the apostle Peter is really throwing down. I mean, he's saying, listen, listen, listen. If I got to do it again. He said, you men of Israel, hear these words. Because these words in the cut, in the bite, they're going to go after you. Jesus of Nazareth, a man of proof of God. Man, prove the God amongst you. It's miracles and signs and wonders which God did by him in the midst of you. As ye yourselves also know. So here the apostle Peter saying, listen, I'm, I'm being hard. I'm, I'm in truth hurt sometimes. He said, but watch what truth did to them. It says in verse 23 of Acts chapter 2, him being delivered to my Jesus by determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands, <laughs> wicked hands, crucified and slain. You folks don't want to hear that. That's why we have a problem now. Folks don't want to hear about the... Uh, January 6th, the insurrection. That's what it was. They don't want to admit. They want to rewrite history. How can you say that that was a walk in the park or that was a vision? Really? Really? Truth hurt, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Truth hurt. Whom God had raised up, having loosed the pain of death because it was not possible that he should behold it. David has said, and we're all the way back to David. So when you get to verse number 36, the apostle Peter, he says, therefore, he said, now all of that, I love how they responded. I love how they responded. He said, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus, that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified. Bible says, came to his own, and his own received him not. Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, who shall believe our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of the dry ground, and have no form, no comelessness. Now, the, the marvelous thing about this, in verse number 37, it says, now when they heard this, when they heard this, what did they do? They were pricked. Woo, I love that. They were pricked. They was pricked in the heart. So prick here is not only talking about that it cut them deep. Prick here is also speaking of they uh, were remorseful. They was remorseful. And the Bible says, notice now what the Bible says, and said unto Peter, and to the rest of the apostles. Look at the reconciliation here. Men and brothers, what shall we do? So that's why Paul asked the question in the Galatians chapter 4, verse 16. Do I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? You hear, I don't know, because he participated in it. 
Let's look at, let's look at, uh, turn to Acts chapter 7 again. And you remember I read verse uh, 54 through verse 60. But I'm going to look at uh, chapter 8, chapter 8. I'm going to read verse 1 through verse 4. Now, you remember now, Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, verse 16, do I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? How? Because Paul had experienced that. Paul knew because Paul... Let me show you. Tell ya. <laughs> In chapter 8 of Acts, and Saul, when this became Paul, was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judah and Samaria, except the apostles. And the devout men carried Stephen, notice now, carried Stephen to bury him. And notice and made, notice and made great lamentations. And notice verse 3. For Saul, he made havoc of the church. She was hurt. Entering into every house and hailing men and holy men and women while committing them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So they took advantage. God used the persecutor, Saul. And now, <laughs> let's go back. Let's go back and look at it the gravity of when people are hurt. People can, you can do some serious stuff, dangerous stuff. When your little feelings get hurt, you get something on your shoulder, you get, uh, I, he done this, or he done that. I mean, you can get, you can just become very dangerous. Not in the good sense, but in the, in the bad sense. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 7, verse 54, notice now, when they heard these things, what things? Stephen was, was, I mean, he was bleeding on them. He went back to Moses, went all the way back and, and talked to them about how, if you read verse 1, then said the high priest, all these things so. And he said, men and brethren and fathers, hoping the God of glory appeared Unto our fathers Abraham, he went all the way back to Abraham, and he bringing them up, and he and he dealing with them. And he, he going at them. How, he talked about Joseph. He talked about Moses in verse number twenty-seven. Verse twenty-seven, Acts chapter seven. But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, "Who made thee a ruler?" And a judge over us. They got angry. They were mad. And Stephen went on and talked. And verse number 30 says, This is he that is in the church. In the wilderness talking about Christ. He went on and he talked about Solomon temporary. And then, and then when he got down to verse 54, they had enough. We had enough. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gasped on him with 
their feet. I can't even imagine me gashing on somebody because I'm angry with biting them. <laughs> Acting like a beast. When truth hurt, no one said, but he is full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfast into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. This when, when when folks go after you, you keep your head up toward heaven because you know God is there for you. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with the loud voice. Now he, he told them this. He, he's standing there being stoned, being gasped on with that teeth. He's been beat on, and the Bible says he's still talking about Jesus. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped up their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. That's what Saul could say in Galatians chapter 4, verse 16. Do I become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth, yes. Because Saul knew that's why he became the enemy of the Christian, of those that follow Christ, the Christ light, the brethren. And then in verse number 59, and they stoned Stephen, crying and calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down. And cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay, notice, 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 Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Whew, that is heavy. Is your heart right? I wish I had it wrong. What are you saying? Stephen is saying, when you say that, you say, Lord, I wish I had it wrong. And what do you mean, Stephen, I wish I had it wrong? I wish I had it wrong that, that they were not sinning, that they was not wrong. Now, Paul said the same thing. You remember in Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Paul said, Brethren, my heart desire and prayer to God. Israel is that they might be saved for a bad miracle that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. I wish I had it wrong. I, I wish I had it wrong. <laughs> but I got it right. When people get mad with you and, and, and frustrated and argue, you see, it's not for us. The truth don't need us to stand for it. It'll stand on its own. You just teach it. You keep preaching it. You keep telling it. It will stand on its own. Now, I wish I had it wrong. Sometimes I read the Bible, and I say, I wish I had it wrong. What do you mean, brother? Because, see, it was up to me. I would hope and pray 
that everybody would be saved, that everybody would be a part of the kingdom, regardless of what, because I'm that ignorant when it comes down to the omnipotent of God. The Bible says, Paul said, none of us know as we ought to know. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, he says in verse 2, know as we ought to know. I wish I had it wrong, but I got to tell you the truth. Okay. Okay. Listen to this. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. Let's look at the uh, some truths. Listen to me now. Some truths best not told. And oftentimes, we forget that. We, get, we want to tell everything. Some truths is best not told. Jesus even told uh, people he hears sometimes, don't tell anybody. People, the disciples say, don't tell anybody. <laughs> you remember in Acts, in Matthew, uh, let, let, let me show it to you. Tell anybody about that in Matthew chapter 16. And let me show you something. Matthew chapter 16, remember Jesus told me uh, who the men say, I, the son of man, I am. And, uh, and uh, in chapter in verse thirteen, and then but if you but if you read verse twenty, notice in verse twenty of Matthew sixteen, he says, "Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man <laughs> that he was Jesus the Christ." <laughs> some truth. I didn't understand that when I was younger. My grandfather would tell me, say, uh, son, some truths best not told. You don't tell everything. Why, now, why did Jesus not want them to tell? Because he had some more work he had to do. He didn't want to, it wasn't time. It's dropped out verse 28 of Matthew 16. It says, Verily I say unto you, there be some, stand here, we shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man come in his kingdom. Don't you tell it yet. And that's when in Acts, in Acts chapter 1, that, that's when it came. So some Jews are best not told. I'm going to give you an example of one. Uh, the Bible talks about the argument through conflict. See, when, when, when the church having conflict, uh, sometimes it, it's best not to, you know, everybody jump in it. <laughs> Y'all stay with them at night. Don't, 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 don't let the truth cause you to be angry with me because sometimes truth hurts. Can I hurt you just a little bit? Can I get a witness up in here? Can I hurt you just a little bit? Let, let, me, let me show you some truth that hurt all of us from time to time. Notice now, the Bible says, and, and, and the church needs to listen to this. We need to listen to this. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 15. The Bible says, Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. What? This is one of the biggest problems we have in the church. Why can't we just do what the Bible asks? You don't need to go around telling everybody everything. The Bible says, Simon says, that Jesus, this is in the red. Jesus said, moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, go tell everybody, your mommy, your daddy, your kinfolk, and everybody else in the church. No, he did not say that. I, I know truth hurt, and sometimes it'll bring you to repentance, and sometimes it'll bring you to cursing. 
and swaying and biting and, and mean-spirited. Hello? And here, the Bible says, that Jesus is teaching us we need to be mindful that everybody can't handle the truth. Jesus told the disciples, he said, when you go into certain cities, he said, you preach the word of God, and you teach the word, he says, and talk about the kingdom of heaven. If they hear you, fine. He said, but if you go to a city and they don't hear you, he said, don't stay there and argue with them and fussing and fighting and being mean, spirit of you, they're going at one another. He said, listen, shake off the dust of your feet, for they are not worthy. The thing is, there are people that are not worthy of the truth. They don't want to hear it. Leave them alone. Move on with your life. Now, know what the Bible says here. Jesus said this. Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone, not everybody else. Have you ever, somebody done something to you, and you didn't have enough courage to go to that person and say, I was wrong, I did wrong, or even if they done you wrong, you go to them. Or the Bible, and I'm going to get to that in a minute, the Bible says and teaches us how to handle that. It says, if I if you hear thee, this is the whole objective. Listen, this is the whole objective of truth. He give us right here the purpose of truth. Know what it says? Thou hast gained thy brother. <laughs> Look at God. The whole objective of truth is about gaining thy brother. That's the whole purpose of truth. It hurts sometimes, and it'll gain your brother. Sometimes it'll cause that brother to become angry with you and frustrated and mad. Those that inherit, how you know? Because notice now, notice now. Then Jesus is going to say, how do you know, Brother Phil? Because you're back at the verse 11. Can we back at the verse 11? Let's look at verse 11 of Matthew chapter 18. Back at the verse 11. Now remember, he says, that's a gain thy brother. The whole objective of truth is to gain your brother. In other words, uh, whatever Paul said, listen, I, I've learned over the years. To the Jew, I became a Jew. To the Gentile, I became a Gentile. To the Cilicians, I became a Cilician. To the barbaric, I became a barbaric. But he said, one thing I did not do, I did not give up the truth. I did not come to the point where I'm going to accept you just as you are and not tell you the truth. Paul said, listen, I was something terrible. Paul said, I was terrible. Oh, wretched man that I am. Notice now in verse 11. For the son of man is come to save that was lost. The purpose of truth. Now, now, what do you mean by the son of man? Truth. Christ is truth. When Christ hurt, that's, that's what I'm, that's the whole thing about truth. When Christ hurt, when you teach about Christ, at the name of Jesus, 
Monday, every knee going to bow. Every tongue shall confess. Why? Because the Bible says, for Jesus, for the Son of Man, is come to save that which was lost. That's the, the whole purpose of truth, my friend. It's a game, that brother. Notice what it says here. How think it ye? So did Jesus get them? Think about this. Think about this. If a man have a hundred sheep and one of them is gone astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine and go into the mountain and seek it that which is gone astray? And if so be that he is found, or he found it, then I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so it is not the will of the Father which is in heaven that one that one of these little ones should perish. God don't want anybody to perish. One thing he's not going to do, he's not going to make you be saved. Because, see, we, and we read this scripture because of uh, we have a small attendance. I, sometimes I be at churches and I hear them say stuff that I know is not biblically correct, but I don't try to argue with them because it's not going to be uh, interfering with the salvation. I hear folks all the time, we drop down uh, in Matthew chapter 18, we drop down to verse number 20. It says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm, I am in the midst. Oftentimes I hear people say that because of attendance is, you know, we got two or three folks in attendance. And they say, well, we, we're not worried about how many in attendance because the Bible says two or three gathered together in the midst. That's not what it is talking about, attendance. They're not teaching attendance in this text. I mean, so I tell you what it's talking about. Back up now to verse number 16. It's now, it, it's talking about, in the case we're talking about, I'm going to read it. It's, it's discussing and talking about the argument through conflict. In other words, where two or three are arguing through a conflict, it gives us an analogy what we should do. It tells us what we should do during a conflict when truth hurts. <laughs> Let's back up now, verse 16. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be what? Established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen or publican. Amen? Notice now, girl, I say unto you, whosoever shall, notice what it says, whatsoever shall be bound on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever shall be loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Notice verse 19. Now, verse 19 gives us a God readiness. Listen, listen. It gives us God readiness to help those that Hear the truth and are receptive. So when the Bible says, and talking about in verse 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name, it says God is ready to hear 
your argument and bring you to a agreement in conflict. How do you know? Because listen, I'm gonna show you then, verse number 19. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth, that's what he's talking about. So when you read verse 18, it says, Bread I send to you, whatsoever that shall be bound on earth, shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever shall be loose on earth, shall be loose in heaven. What it means is God is in the midst of the argument. <laughs> God is right there in the midst of the argument. And so the problem is, what's wrong with us, why we can't handle the truth, is because we're trying to handle it on our own and not turn it over to the Lord, not praying. Now, you know, it says, as touching anything that they shall ask, that they shall ask. So when you're going through uh, conflict, it's saying you, the agreement through conflict is to realize that God is in the midst. He says, ask prayer. That God readiness. So Jesus is saying, "Listen, my Father readiness. My Father readiness. Oh my God, my that's deep. My Father readiness. He 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 saw y'all arguing. He saw you bickering. He saw you going at one another. But he's ready. And all you got to do is ask. How you know? It says, "Ask it shall be done for them of my Father, which is." In heaven. So what do you mean by it says so when you so when you read the scripture and it says, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever is bound in heaven shall be bound on earth, which is loose in heaven, shall be loose on earth. In other words, whatever happens, in other words, if you get so angry that you are not going to come to repentance, you're not going to give your brother a chance. Listen, God said, I'm gonna hold you accountable. Heaven is holding you accountable for the truth. And if you don't forgive, God will not forgive you. Woo! And if you forgive, what's well, so that to, to be loose in heaven? It, it is a powerful thing to be able to come together in a, in a, uh, a meeting or conflict and be willing to agree. <laughs> That's what's wrong in our world now. They can't agree because they really don't understand the power of prayer. He says, it shall be done for them, my, or my Father, which is in heaven. That's when the, the verse that we take out of context, theologically, it says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. He's not talking about worship service. He's talking about when y'all arguing and fussing and bickering and can't get along. Hello? He's talking about when, when someone is so hard-hearted. Let me, let me show you something. Uh, uh, turn to Romans now. And I, I know I'm not going to be able to finish this, but that's, that's good. I got enough truth that you're going to be mad with me or you're going to appreciate it. <laughs> you are going to be angry with me, or you going to appreciate it. 
Romans chapter 16, and the verse is number 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which call division, but tell us how to handle those that can't get right. Mark them which call division and, and offense contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. Notice what it says, and avoid them. Listen, the time comes when you have to avoid people that don't want the truth. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, there are some folks that don't want the truth. All they want to do is they want to destroy your reputation, destroy who you are, and they try to tell everybody. When you run and try to tell everybody about where they done at, hey, where they done at, hey, you, you ain't trying to be a slave. You ain't trying to be a Christian. You're going straight to the lake. Wherever you bound on earth, bound in heaven. The way you act on earth, God was going to judge you by that. Whatever you loose on earth, God shall loose. In other words, can you loose? The Bible says, Jesus said, when you, when you come to the altar and you realize that you have altered against thy brother, he said, leave your gift to the altar. <laughs> leave your gift to the altar and go back and rectify what you got going on with your brother and your sister. And there are people right now that are going to the lake. I'm telling you the truth. The Bible says many shall be lost or going to hell. Why? Because they can't forgive one another and don't realize God is in the midst. You see, when my children were young, they would get ready to fight. And, and I was, if daddy in the midst, they're not going to fight. Even my grandbabies now, they be fussing and fighting. If that any miss, they're not going to fight. Because they know the wrath of God and the goodness of God. The objective that we must understand is understand God's wrath. We must understand the wrath of God. We must understand that God's wrath is serious. Then the goodness of God. To understand the goodness of God, appreciate the goodness of God, you must understand and accept the wrath of God. That God does discipline. So whatever you bound on earth, shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, shall be loose in heaven. All right, let me read a little further. Let me read a little further. He said, avoid them. Notice in verse number, eight, number 18. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fast speech deceive the heart of the simple, of the innocent. What you mean by that? Uh, uh, most folks don't know what's going on in it. And what they'll do, they'll come to you, man, don't you know, I heard, <laughs> I heard. And they don't know, you don't know. Ask them, what do you know? Not what you heard. And there are too many of us today. The truth hurts. A lot of folks will not... All they know is they heard. Then one time, when, when, I, when I was ordained as an elder, Brother Powell and I, uh, in 2005, and, and I talked on the radio about the name elder, bishop, pastor, overseer, all that is the same person. And so I was called to speak at a, 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 a conference that, as, as the fire chief, I came 
as the fraud chief. And they had only uh, the paperwork, uh, uh, Bishop Chief Clay Phillips. And don't you know, members of the Church of Christ, preachers, some of you guys, listen to me now, on the Church of Christ, they called me. They asked me what was going on. They jumped to a conclusion what was bound in heaven. They don't understand. What bound in heaven? They bound in What you're going to do so Listen, you should have called me. Only one preacher called me. They had the nerve, the courage. They said, what is this? Are you talking to a bishop? No. But I talked on the radio. The truth about I was an elder. And, and my... I am a bishop, elder, overseer, pastor, and that's what the Bible teaches. And you got folks that lost their mind. Brother, that's the church. Only one preacher called me and said, Brother Philip, what's going on? And I told him, he said, that's it. I, he, you, he said, we didn't know you were ordained elder. Hello? I am an elder of the rose in the church of Christ. There are three of us. Now, Brother Tillman is an elder. Elder Powell, myself, it was ordained in 2005. And then uh, Elder Tillman was named uh, a couple years ago. So here we are understanding that, listen, I'm trying to do God's will. I don't care about no name. You don't know me. You don't know me. I don't care about a name. Call me Clay and I'm good with it. Yeah, the, the ignorant preachers. I said it. Truth hurt. You ignorant preacher. They go and tell your members that they ought to obey this, and then you turn around, and then you act stupid. Yeah, I said it. I'm not ashamed of it. Why? Because the Bible says in verse 19, for your obedience is come abroad to all men. Paul said, I am glad, therefore, of your behavior. Now, to save some time here, drop down to verse number 20. And God of peace, God of peace. In other words, God of peace, God is what makes the peace, not us, not Brother Phillips. If you do what God asks, we'll always have peace. It said, shall bruise Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So be it. Oh, my goodness. Now, now let me show you something, man. Let me show you something. Uh, uh, back up to uh, uh, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Remember what the Bible says. And I got, how many more minutes, brother? I got, uh, hit, hit me very quick, like, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good to go for a minute here. Uh, Romans chapter 12, in the verse number 9, it says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be, listen now, listen. Be kindly, affectioned, one toward another. Brother in love, in honor, preferring one another. In other words, I'd rather for you to have the right to question me. Verse 11. Not sovereign business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient tribulation, continuous, continue instant in prayer. That's what is good. That's what the Bible is talking about. 
that say some time. It says in verse 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, listen now, listen. If it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Sometimes the truth hurt. And in verse 19 it says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather your place unto wrath. Where? It is written. Let pray for the rest. Come together as God said, where two or three are gathered together in my name. For it's written, vengeance is mine. I will pray, said the Lord. Therefore, if thy enemy, listen, if thy enemy hunger, feed him, give him drink. For in do and so doing, thou shalt he cause a fire upon their head. But another word says, in my conclusion, I gotta stop. Because you hurt. <laughs> you all hurt out there. Uh, you know, I, I've been hurt myself, I, but I'm, I'm willing to say I was wrong. I, I'm sorry. It says in verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's how you deal with the hurt of truth. I'm your speaker, Brother Clay Phillips. Remember this. Keep it real. You must hear the gospel. The gospel is the death and burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Believe it, repent, confess, and be baptized that I make you a new Christian in Christ Jesus. But for the, or you, or you can, listen, the church members at Rome City, they know. They don't care nothing about no calling me no uh, preacher, pastor, bishop. Most of the members around here call me uh, either Brother Philip or Clay. And I, I appreciate that because the I'm not concerned. I'm, I'm, my concern is like Jesus. If one sheep lost, I'm coming to get you. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Visualize the star.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning into the broadcast this evening. We certainly appreciate those who've been following our radio show on Blog Talk Radio as well as via social media, Facebook Live. Certainly appreciate it. And also, I want to thank my co-host, Glenn McMillian, for his subject, Deconstructing Calvinism. We're looking forward to those lessons uh, that Glenn is going to do in the future on this subject. Also, my uh, co-host, Clay Phillips, he did a lesson on when the truth hurts. Oh, brother, that brother preached on this program. Well, he always does a great job anyway. And also appreciate Brian Christian Coleman for answering that question that we had from Shreveport, Louisiana. Does the Bible teach a woman can serve as a bishop? I know these, some of these, sometimes these answers that are given might seem harsh to the hearer, but we have to speak the truth according to what the Bible teaches. And that's what this program is all about. It's not what we as the hosts or co-hosts on this show have to say is what does the Bible teach? That's what our main concern should always be. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast. It is our prayer that the lessons that were given on this radio show have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning in this radio show, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's word. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler, and I want to say on behalf of all of my co-hosts here, on the Gospel Light Radio Show. We really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. How can I walk with Jesus? How can I, mm, how can I, mm, yeah? How can I walk with Jesus? How can I, mm, how can I, mm, yeah? How can I walk with Jesus? How can I, mm, how can I ooh yeah? How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? How can I ooh yeah? How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? How can I ooh yeah? How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? How can I ooh yeah? How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? How can I ooh yeah? How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? How can I ooh yeah? Take my lunch break, but then up came this man and 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You've been listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show, episode 236. It ain't easy. No. Sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord. Sometimes it gets rough.
bring 